this is a journey to truth. And um, what I'm trying to do uh, with this podcast is to talk about Jesus and talk about the truth and talk about the Word of God. And um, so I thought that today, being the very first podcast, it would be smart to, you know, do a podcast about journey, whether it's our uh, personal family's journey through, um, you know, our Christian walk or um, getting a journey from, you know, uh, another perspective in the Bible. And um, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how our family has gotten to where we are in our Christian walk. And then um, I want to go into the Word of God and talk about, um, you know, uh, the journey that Mary and Joseph had to take to uh, get to Bethlehem. And um, I think it's great that we compare uh, Mary and Joseph's journey to our own journeys in our own lives. Um, it's really important. So I'm um, just talking about journey this way. I know that it's maybe like, you know, sacrilegious to talk about, um, you know, the Bethlehem story in September. Um, but I felt like it was a really uh, good place for us to start. And um, and so that's what I'm going to do. Let me talk a little bit about uh, our journey as a family. Uh, we came into the Lord um, in about 2000, 2001. Uh, somewhere in there, we came to faith in Christ. Um, and um, it's been a pretty crazy ride for us. It's not one that is a normal, um, you know, something that we've done that's, that's probably a normal way that people have lived their Christian lives. But um, uh, after becoming saved, uh, we were attending a, a church in North Fort Myers, um, North Shore Alliance Church. And um, during that time, uh, you know, we really felt uh, the Lord uh, specifically calling me into a pastorate. And um, believe me, that was that's a whole nother journey <laughs> to talk about. But, uh, but you know, being called into a pastorate is not something that I don't think anybody um, should ever take lightly. Um, and, and I certainly didn't think that God had really called me um, to the pastorate. And, uh, but through, you know, some confirmations that God provided, um, I really felt like, yeah, this is the way the Lord wants me to go. And um, so I was about 30, 33, I guess, when I started um, studying to become a pastor and uh, and became the assistant pastor at North Shore uh, Church. And so uh, exciting, exciting time. And I was able to learn under the tutelage of um, Bob Formica, um, spiritual mentor even to this day. And so, uh, you know, he was. Uh, he allowed me to do so many different things in that church, as, as a good leader should do. And um, so, anyway, uh, he allowed me to preach once a month. He allowed me to lead worship and all of these different things. And and uh, it really became a, a place where I was able to grow a, a ton. Um, Bob decided to move on to uh, Orlando First Alliance Church in Orlando, and at that time, um, I was kind of the assistant. Uh, pastor and so they asked if I would step in just to be kind of that uh, interim person so that church could keep going on and and um, they were going to start looking for another uh, candidate and so I I, um, I put my name into the ring you know uh, I was very um, new to be honest um, didn't think that uh, I was going to get that position um, so anyway I was kind of interim I was doing pulpit supply for the most part continuing to do things in the church keep small groups going worship all of those different things and uh, 
And so over six months, uh, they kept looking at um, resumes and they did some interviews and they met with the district superintendent and all these different things. And they finally decided that they wanted to um, to call me to be the next pastor of uh, North Shore Alliance Church. And it was interesting because, you know, I was saved in that church and then became the pastor of that church, which was a good thing and a bad thing. You know, it was amazing what God did in my life. It was kind of a bad thing because, um, you know, I think people were used to seeing me as not a pastor. And uh, so it was, it was it, in some ways it was difficult. Um, but uh, after being the senior pastor there for almost four years, um, my wife and I, and really our whole family started feeling a call to be missionaries. Uh, we had gone on a short-term missions trip to uh, Guatemala. And um, when we got back, and I've been on short-term trips before and uh, couldn't wait to get home and, and kind of moved on with my life, to be honest. Um, but with this trip to Guatemala, it was very different. It was it was a different time, and uh, and and even as we came back, I kept th- I kept feeling like I'm not back. I'm not I, there's something that's not I'm not at peace. And uh, my wife felt the same way. My my daughters felt the same way. And so we started exploring missions, um, and uh, decided to go with the um, the mission that that uh, took us to Guatemala in the first place. And uh, so we told the church and, um, you know, we, we uh, decided that uh, I would stay on for another, uh, about six months I stayed on and, uh, and then uh, my pastorate was over at, at North Shore. But, um, you know, what an amazing ride that was. And then uh, God called us into missions and, and it was a very specific call. And so we spent the next seven years in Guatemala. And uh, we did child sponsorships. We built homes. We built walls. We built uh, all kinds of stuff for safety and and uh, for the betterment of of the people in Guatemala. Um, providing education is obviously number one. And so uh, so we still continue that even to today. But um, just as just as clearly as God called us to Guatemala, we also felt very called back. And that happened in 2018. Um, we felt a very specific uh, calling to come back to the United States through uh, hurricanes, through job offers, through all kinds of different things. Uh, it was kind of a crazy thing, but we definitely knew that God was the one that was calling us back. And so um, so we, uh, I, I got to tell you, our time in Guatemala was amazing. Like we created so many great friendships, lasting friendships. And um, I, I just, I love the people of Guatemala. I love the people that we were able to work with. And um, so anyway, it was hard to say goodbye. It was hard to leave that ministry, but we just we did we did feel um, very confident that God was calling us back to the United States. And so now I'm here at Hillside Community Church, uh, another alliance, uh, Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. But this time we're right outside of Orlando, about 45 minutes outside of Orlando to the west, about midway between uh, Tampa and Orlando. Um, small community and uh, great church, great foundation, and uh, we're just excited to be here. Um, the Lord has uh, done so many great things here already. I mean, we've been here for two and a half years, and um, and the Lord is just doing amazing things. And so we're so thankful and blessed to be a part of what He's doing here at Hillside Community Church. And so that's kind of uh, the journey that we took um, after you know um, being saved and 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 growing and being discipled in a church. Uh, to become the pastor of the church and then sent out as missionaries um, is is pretty is a pretty amazing thing and uh, I have to say that you know North Shore Alliance Church was was just 
intricate in all of those things. And so um, I just thank, I thank that community of believers. I thank Pastor Bob and Karen uh, so much for their leading and, uh, and, and, and still uh, leading us even today. Uh, so I just thank them. And, uh, and, and of course, the Lord uh, has a very specific path for each of us. Now, as I went through that journey, let me tell you something. Um, it was hard. You know, I make it seem like it was very easy. Oh, we had all this and we did this and we did this. I gave you the Facebook Facebook version of my life there, my calling in ministry, uh, because everything, you know, on Facebook is supposed to be great and wonderful in our lives. But it wasn't. It was it was hard. It was hard to leave North Shore. Um, we loved that community. Uh, it was hard to acclimate to Guatemala. Uh, while we were in Guatemala, our, our daughter fell three stories and broke her back in multiple places, uh, broke her sternum. Um, but the Lord uh, was amazing and she's perfect today. She's wonderful and she's able to walk and, and all these things. You wouldn't even know that she fell. So I wanted you to know that even through our journey and our calling, it was hard. It was hard to come back. It was hard to leave the people of Guatemala. You know, we have a wonderful Guatemalan family that uh, has taken over our ministry. So we still have that ministry, but it's handled logistically through uh, this Guatemalan family. And it's been wonderful to have them do that. But it was hard to, to leave. You know, your life becomes where you are. And when we were in Guatemala for those seven years, that was our life. Those, those were the people that we, we loved and we, we dealt with on a day-to-day -day basis. And we met with and we had relationships with. And... And so it was really hard to leave that as well. Even though there was a bit of a language barrier, um, it was still hard to leave. Um, you know, and then coming back here to the States and not really knowing where I was going to be um, until I was offered this position at Hillside. And, uh, and even acclimating here, you know, was, was difficult. Um, not as difficult because there was no language barrier, um, but it was still difficult in certain respects, you know, uh, having to rent a house. We had no credit for seven years in the United States. So like people were, looked at us like we were crazy, you know, just even renting a house, um, uh, you know, acclimating to this new uh, community, a uh, community of believers that um, is so strong in their faith, so strong in their Bible knowledge. And so that was like, that was a piece of cake for me because they were so supportive and, and ready for change. And so um, but, but at the same time, hard to acclimate, hard, hard to get to know people, hard, you know, all those things when you first come to a place, um, you know, and, and it's hard also, you know, when you, when you're a pastor and you first come to a church and people attend and they come for a couple of weeks and they never come back and you're like, okay, well, I guess they didn't like me, you know? Um, so it's hard sometimes to, uh, to have to, to deal with those things, uh, on your journey. But at the same time, uh, as you go through the hard places in your journey, man, God just shows up so powerfully, so powerfully. And so uh, I just want to kind of move over to um, Mary and Joseph because I'd love to make this comparison because it's, it's, it's really important that we do, you know. Um, when we think about Mary and Joseph, I mean, they had a very specific calling. They were bringing the the savior of the world in, into the world, right? They were, they were birthing the Messiah. And uh, it wasn't an easy process. It wasn't an easy process. And so oftentimes when I am looking at my own life, my own journeys, and, and uh, God's calling in my life, and, and sometimes it, when it gets hard, it's easy to think, okay, well, you know, God's left me or, or you know, abandoned me, forsaken me, you know, 
But, you know, obviously he says he'll never abandon you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. Um, but it's hard. It is hard sometimes. Sometimes we feel like we're in that spiritual desert that David was talking about in, in Psalm 63, you know, and just being in this desert and not really uh, calling out to the Lord, but not really being able to understand why he's not answering back or why he's giving, why he's not giving direction. Um, and so I, I always kind of compare my own journeys, you know, whatever, wherever they may be, to, um, to the journey of Mary and Joseph. Um, they had a very specific calling, but, but God didn't make it easy for them. And so, uh, so let's think about this. Um, think about when uh, Mary is approached by the angel and she's told, you know, uh, I want you to, um, you're going to be with child. Uh, and, and Mary's like, what are you talking about? I've never been with a man. I don't, uh, there's no way this is possible. Um, but the angel says the Holy Spirit is going to conceive and, uh, and, and, and you're going to have the Savior of the world. You're going to have the Messiah, the one that's been talked about for so long. Um, you're going to be the one that is going to uh, give birth to the Messiah. She accepts it, readily accepts the, the calling, and, uh, and then uh, has to tell Joseph. Now, again, we're just talking about a calling here, and right away, you can see that this calling isn't going to be easy because Joseph hasn't been told this by an angel yet, right? And so Mary has to go and tell Joseph this news. Diet Pepsi. It's pretty good. So, um, anyway... So Mary tells Joseph, and what does Joseph do? Well, he he goes, you know, I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to divorce her. After all this is over, after the celebrations, all these things have happened with wedding and whatever else, uh, I'm going to quietly divorce her, and uh, to save her, you know, from from all of this, you know. Uh, when you were engaged in the Jewish culture back then, really engagement was was marriage. I mean, it wasn't the the wedding and all of that, but you were you were uh, bequeathed to the other person, and so it was a very uh, very important thing. Um, it was like you were already married, and so so Joseph says, "I'm just going to quietly divorce her." There, there, you know, obviously she's been with somebody, um, but but still trying to respect Mary as much as possible, and. Uh, the angel then comes to Joseph and says, no, 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 what, what Mary's told you is absolutely right. You know, uh, you can't, you, you know, you can't divorce her. You're bringing the savior of the world in, in, into the world. And so, um, so Joseph is now on board. And so that part of the calling, that part of the journey is over. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But here's the problem. Now, uh, there's a bit of shame, uh, or let me say, Mary and Joseph will be shamed for what's happened. Look, uh, Mary has already, people have probably been talking already. Mary's with child, Mary's with child, you know, and, and, uh, Joseph's probably told his friends up to that point, you know, like, look, I'm going to get rid of her. I'm going to, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'll respect her the best I can, but, but this is ridiculous. I'm getting out of this, you know? And, and then all of a sudden now Mary and Joseph are on the same page and, uh, you know, he's got to go tell his friends and, family and all these people that that you know no I'm sticking by her we're, we're gonna get married and uh, and we're doing this um, so I would think that there was a lot of shame um, that was was cast upon them um, in their community they were probably laughed at and mocked uh, talked about gossiped about um, so so that's another part of the journey that they had to go through um, maybe you know Joseph cried out at one point you know Lord um, why are you putting me through this? You know, or why, why are you making, why, why is this happening to me? So, um, so it's not easy. 
And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a census, right? And Joseph has to go back to Bethlehem to be a part of this census. And now that Mary is married to him, uh, she has to go with him. And so now they have to travel 130 kilometers to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And of course, there weren't uh, roads back then. So they would travel by donkey and uh, have to travel these 130 kilometers um, on a donkey. Now, this was close to the end, right? Uh, you know, Mary is probably about in her, you know, eighth month, maybe, as they begin this trek, uh, this journey to Bethlehem. And I can't imagine um, what this journey would have looked like. I can't imagine what uh, Mary and Joseph had to go through um, with this donkey to try to get to, to Bethlehem, you know? And uh, just thinking, I know that, you know, when my wife was pregnant, she was pregnant three different times and we had three kids. Um, but in each one of her pregnancies, you know, there became a point when it was no longer fun, exciting, you know, like you get into that eighth month and, you know, there, especially here in Florida, if like it's August or something, I feel so bad for those ladies that are pregnant, like eighth month pregnant in August in Florida, because it's awful. It's so hot here. And, um, and so I, I remember Lisa being the same way, you know, uh, in her eighth month, just being very uncomfortable all the time, you know? And, um, and so I just think about Mary riding on this donkey, you know, and, and, you know, it, in every movie for the most part, it's very, it's very beautiful. It's, it's, it's uh, almost romantic, you know, it's, it's just this, this serene kind of setting and everything's wonderful, but it, but it probably wasn't right. Um, so Mary is having to ride this donkey 130 kilometers to Bethlehem. I mean, just imagine. And so, you know, they feel like they're getting close. You know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? And, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're on that road and they see a sign that says, you know, hey, next two exits, Bethlehem, you know, I don't know. And, uh, and so Joseph, you know, he's like, oh man, we're finally there. Thank the Lord we're finally there, you know. And as they enter into Bethlehem, they realize that this is not the Bethlehem that they knew, right? I mean, Bethlehem at this point would have been buzzing, buzzing with stuff happening. You know, um, this was a small town. Um, oh, little town of Bethlehem. This was a small town. And so um, there was a ton of people there that had to come back for the, for the census. A lot of people probably moved away from Bethlehem. And now they were, there was an influx of these people that had to be there for the census. And I would imagine that, you know, like you didn't, you didn't walk down the streets of Bethlehem and on every corner, there was like a Holiday Inn over here and a Best Western over there and a whatever over there. You know, um, there was probably one inn, right? One inn. So as Mary and Joseph and their donkey at this point are, are pushing through the crowd to try to try to just get to the inn because she's close, right? Like, like she's already told Joseph, like, this is happening. We've got to get to the inn. And so they work their way through the crowd um, and, and they finally get to the inn. And obviously you guys know the story. There's no room. They're sold out. No vacancy, right? I mean, could you imagine this? I mean, think about how Mary and Joseph are feeling right now. I mean, like Joseph's got to be like, you've got to be kidding me with this. Lord, we're bringing your son into the world. Can you make this a little bit easier for us? But he wasn't going to, right? The innkeeper says there's no room. And 
at this point feels sorry for them, knows that Mary is about to go, right? About to, about to pop, so to speak. And so he offers them a cave behind uh, the inn. I know that it's a stable in some in some versions or whatever, but most likely it was a carved out cave where they would keep their livestock, you know, and they kind of locked them in there. And so the innkeeper is like, you know, hey, we've got this beautiful cave. What do I have to do to get you into a cave tonight, Joseph? Um, it's where all of our livestock are. Uh, it's, it's dirty. It's disgusting. It's uh, smelly. But it's all I can offer you. And you look like you're desperate. So you want to do that. And Joseph and Mary are like, yeah, I mean, we, we, we got to do something. And so they enter into this cave, this um, area for livestock, really. And, uh, you know, I can imagine that, that Joseph, boy, he must have been must have been disappointed in himself. Not, not in God. I don't, I don't see Joseph as that kind of person. I see Joseph more as a person who was disappointed in, in himself, that he is, he is letting God down. And um, with that idea, you know, had they left maybe a week earlier, if they'd have left, if they would have traveled faster, you know, if he would have pushed the donkey faster, if he would have not taken that break, if he wouldn't have slept, if he would have done this, he would have been here in time and the savior of the world would have been, would have been born in a bed, you know, in a room. And, and, and so maybe he's thinking, oh, this is my fault. I can't believe this has happened. And so they're in this cave, and, uh, and, and maybe that's the way Joseph's. I mean, that's not biblical, but I'm just, I'm just thinking as a man where I, where I would be. And uh, maybe he feels like he's just let everybody down, you know. And I think Mary is more in a mode of like, look, I'm about to have this baby. Like, I don't care where it is, you know. Um, let's just get somewhere so I can do this. But I think, I think maybe Joseph is feeling more of the emotion of the, of the experience at this point. And there Jesus is born, right, in, the, in, in this cave. Um, and so they have some cloths. It doesn't say clothes, it says cloths. I, I really think that's important. Um, just some strips of linen, basically, that they have to wrap Jesus in. And they lay him in a manger. <laughs> Which, again, in most of the pictures and scenes that you see of this uh you think that it's kind of a beautiful cozy little little manger you know but a manger is really a food trough it's it's what the it's what the animals would eat out of um so we're talking about you know saliva and snot and dried up food and all this other kind of stuff that would have been been in there um because of the animals just feeding out of it um, they didn't have Lysol wipes back then. You know, of course, we don't have any now either. But, uh, but they didn't have Lysol back then, and so it was probably not real sanitary. And so they lay Jesus um, with these strips of cloth around him. They lay him into this food trough. Um, and there he, you know, probably goes to sleep or, or whatever. It's been a rough day for him too. And Mary, maybe she falls asleep, you know, she's exhausted, right? I mean, she's traveled all this way. She's been on the donkey. She, she's been arguing, pushing through crowds and arguing with people about the inn and the cave and all this other stuff. She's finally had the baby. She's exhausted. I always think in my, to myself that, that in this, in this uh, time of 
maybe reflection for Joseph, you know, of all that's gone on, you know, and, and now he has this moment where maybe Jesus is sleeping and, and Mary is sleeping and, and it's kind of a, a, a peaceful moment, you know. And I wonder if Joseph took that moment to go outside of the cave, away from Mary, away from Jesus, and just, just cry out to God. Like, Lord, I've let you down. I can't believe all that's happened. Your son is laying in a food trough, and, and, and it's my fault. And I, I just wonder if he broke down, you know, in that moment. We know the rest, right? The three kings, the wise men, and uh, the shepherds, and, and, and everyone knows that he's the king of kings, lord of lords. But what a journey for Mary and Joseph. I tell you that I think about it a lot. I, 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 I contrast it on, in my life a lot because, you know, I think sometimes we think that callings, even when we know that they're from the Lord, that the callings are supposed to be easy. But they're just not. The Lord never said that there's going to be easy, right? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So in this world, you're going to have trouble. The calling doesn't mean that you. it's just, you know, everything's cleared out of your way and, and everything's going to be great. And it doesn't mean that at all. It, it, it means that even though you're called, it's still going to be hard. Fast forward to the end of Jesus's life. He had a specific calling, right? First missionary, really. Left the glories of heaven, left his home, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross. I was just preaching this a couple of Sundays ago, you know, thinking of Jesus's last day before his resurrection and what he had to endure that last day. It was his calling. And Jesus knew he had to do it. If you look back at the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew he had to do it. He knew exactly what he was going to have to go through the next, the next day. But he chose it. He endured it. He walked with it. He walked through it, right? With, with the Lord. And so each of us are going to have a calling. And it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be um, smooth. But I don't want you to think that, oh, because it's not smooth, well, that must not be, God God didn't really call me to this or, or whatever. Because sometimes we talk ourselves out of callings because it gets hard. So I look back at Mary and Joseph. They endured. They rolled with the punches. They were flexible. Whether it was leaving Nazareth, not getting a room at the end, entering a cave, putting baby Jesus into a, a, a food trough, whatever it was, they were flexible. I think the same with Jesus. He was flexible. He endured the calling. And for some of you, you're, you're on your own journey. God has called you to a very specific thing. And maybe you're struggling today and you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Compare your life to Mary and Joseph. Compare your life to Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we look to Jesus, right? His calling wasn't easy. Mary and Joseph's calling wasn't easy, but they endured. And look at the blessing. Look at the blessing. Mary and Joseph brought the Savior of the world to us, 
right? Emmanuel. Jesus, through his calling, provided us eternal life. For any person who puts their faith in Jesus, they receive eternal life. And so think about that the next time you feel things are getting hard. Let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you that you did send your son. Lord, I thank you that Mary and Joseph endured. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus endured, that we can call you Father, and you call us son, you call us daughter. So Father, I, I, I pray specifically right now for those who are in the midst of a calling, in the midst of a journey, and they're struggling. Lord, I pray that you would give them energy where they need energy. I pray you give them strength where they need strength. I pray, Father, that you would envelop them with your love and your grace and your mercy. And I pray for your peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, that it will be upon them right now, Lord, that you would re-energize them for the calling that you've put before them and that they would wake up tomorrow refreshed and knowing that they can endure. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.